You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now? A practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling in the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out first to our ancestral helping spirits, to yours and to mine, to all of those people who lived well, who died well, and carry this great, rich legacy into each of our lives, bringing all that is good and true and beautiful for us to draw on so that we, the living, can learn from those who have gone before us and can bring those teachings into manifestation in our own lives as we meet the challenges of our own time. So I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today, to gather round and to help us, the living, to do what we are called to do in this very, very short time that we are here. We have been called by the prayers, by the needs of those before, to arrive to be the blessing, to be the answer to those prayers. And I ask these ancestral helping spirits to help us to become the manifestation of those blessings. And to leave a world here that those who are coming are honored and joyful to inherit. So ancestors and living, we have our work cut out for us. And I'm deeply, deeply grateful that you are here with us today to help us to do, which on some days seems truly impossible. Help us to make the impossible possible for those who are coming. And with the ancestors gathering around, let us turn our own awareness from wherever our awareness is into our head, from our head to our heart, our heart to our belly. And let us draw our energy down and take a moment and touch the earth in great gratitude for this day. Whatever the day holds in store for you, we give thanks. We give thanks that all that has been on your road that got you to this moment, for all that is and all that will be, we give great, great gratitude to the generosity in this dreaming that allows us as humans to change and to transform, to stop repeating the same mistakes and to open to our own creative inspiration and to come up with something else we could do that doesn't just create three more problems. So we give great gratitude to the generosity in this dream of life that allows us to be here to learn and to grow and to manifest great beauty in the world. And for all the beauty around us and all the other forms of life, we give great thanks. And with enormous gratitude in our heart, let our energy continue down, down through your grounding, all the way through all the layers of the earth, all the way into the very center of the earth. And we take a moment there in the center to appreciate the stillness, the silence, the darkness, the peace. And we draw this energy in that we may be restored and rejuvenated and replenished. And that will give us the internal energy to bring into our lives a kind of trustworthy and dependable way of being with ourselves. And as we draw the energy of the earth up, let us use this energy to ground ourselves in a good way, to create a sense of place in life, a sense of belonging, 
and a sense of home. And may these energies of home and place and belonging be done in a way that is not exclusive, turning everyone else into the other, but a way that is inclusive and invites in those who are different than us, that we might grow and change and be challenged and truly become the people that we were meant to be. And so with the energy of the earth, let us also open up to our capacity to connect and to be interconnected and ultimately to find ourselves in this great web of life. And may we reach out to that web of life and take from that web our right relationship with ourself, right relationship with others, right relationship with the environment and the spirit world. And we ask these energies to help us as we begin to rise up, up through the body, out the top of the head, into the sky, out through the atmosphere and all the way out into the cosmos. And as we greet the heavenly bodies and all the mysteries of the universe, let us be greeted. Feel your energy moving all the way out to the highest power of the universe and by whatever name you know this energy, name it. See yourself in it and it in you and draw this energy down, drawing into yourself, drawing into your day, drawing into these proceedings, the essence energy of blessing, the deep, deep energy of protection, the energy of commitment and devotion, and the energy of inspiration and illumination. And we draw these energies in that we might feel the benevolence and the beneficence of this universe. As we open up to all the wisdom of the cosmos, let us draw this energy in to the top of our head, from our head to our heart, our heart to our belly, and send it down to the center of the earth. And for this moment, let us just be the place, the great meeting place of these two legendary lovers, the earth and sky, coming together within us in that great dance that has birthed all the form as we experience it into existence. We give such gratitude to these two lovers and we ask that big love to awaken the spirit of our heart, that our heart may open up to the powerful crucible of transformation that it is and let the heart call up the fiery passions of the belly those energies that know why we are here and call down the crystal clarity of the mind, those energies that can see with discernment in the world around us and understand how to do what must be done. And may these energies come together in a dance of passion, a dance of love, and may they give birth to that third and most sacred thing, which is your own memory, your own sense, your own feeling of why you are here. And may you find in your same powerful human heart the courage to do something in this day, large or small, to bring those gifts out into the world. And so I give great gratitude for the spirit energies that gather around the helping spirits and all the ancestral helping spirits in their many forms. We give great gratitude for this circle of assistance and guidance and protection and support. And I also give thanks to you. For your support, Melissa, Jeffrey, Lauren, William, Malama, Mary, and others who have donated to the show, I give thanks to all of you for helping me to pay the bills. Someone's got to do it, and I appreciate the fact that you are helping me to make uh, Why Shamanism Now a truly listener-supported endeavor. If this show moves you in any way, if it moves you in the heart, even if it moves you to irritation and frustration, 
I ask you to allow yourself to follow that momentum. Let the heart motivate you into action. The most fundamental of shamanic work is to understand how to let the energies of our heart um, move us. And so I ask you to let that awareness move you into action in some way to support the show and help it to grow. If you can donate, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com and donate from the radio show site. You can't donate from the co-creator site, for those of you that are a little frustrated with that. You can um, do other things to help the show to grow, sending in your show ideas and particularly your questions as you engage with the teachings in different shows, letting me know what arises, what works, what doesn't seem to be working, and to help us to deepen uh, through your own questions as you try to apply um, these ideas to life. And also there's many ways that you can share the show that have simply to do with doing what we're talking about, living it in your life, sharing it in your journey circles, bringing the questions into your journeys and endeavoring to be in the world in a way that is simply more aware and more engaged and more intimate in um, life. And so for all the many, many things you are doing to help us, um, I give great thanks. Every um, penny, ruble, euro, whatever is donated to the show goes directly to keeping the show on the air. And I am deeply grateful for all that you offer in all the many ways. We are live today. If you have questions about today's topic, you are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. Or uh, you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. And you also can simply email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I would be happy to read your question on the air or perhaps turn your question into a show as I'm doing today. So the uh, topic today is dancing with anger and spirit and this is part three of cultivating emotional well-being and this show is largely constructed um, as a response to questions listeners have had from the first part one and part two of emotional well-being, cultivating emotional well-being. Um, and you can find those episodes. The easiest way is to go to whyshamanismnow.com and look over on the upper right-hand side of the home page. The four most recent shows are listed there by title. And you could find, part, right now, you can find part one and two there. Um, but you can also just search for it. Um, so, I just... Return. So I've had a flurry of questions based on parts one and parts two. And a lot of it has to do with, yes, but, you know, how do I deal with the hard emotions like anger and frustration and irritation and things like that? Um, and at the same time, I've also just returned from a really wonderful version of the energy clearing class, which, of course, emotional well-being in my world keeps coming back to learning to truly clear these energies that are at the root of our um, childish responses to uh, reactions to life, our constantly responding to the world from our child emotional body. And that if we attend to those uh, places in ourselves where we hold those um, child wounds, we are able to release that energy and begin to respond to life as an adult. So just last week, we um, 
did this clearing class in Colorado. And I'm reminded yet again that a whole nother group of people can come in and embrace this work that is simple, it's clear, it's effective, and it helps people, so many people from so many different practices say the exactly the same thing. This is the piece I've been looking for. And so I want you to keep that in mind as we go through the show today because the class um, will be offered again in Portland at the end of May. Um, all right. So I looked around um, at some of my old resources around emotions to try to remember um, what did I pull in as I was trying to understand this piece because it's a piece that is not addressed uh, in shamanic training. It's not addressed in a lot of trainings. Anyway, so I found this a lovely quote by Carla McLaren. And she's written many books She's um, and has a lot of online courses and things. But this is from a book called The Language of Emotions. And she says, we are, brilliant, uh, we are intellectually brilliant, physically resourceful, spiritually imaginative, but emotionally underdeveloped. And this is a shame because emotions contain indispensable vitality that can be jan- channeled towards self-knowledge, interpersonal awareness, and profound healing. Unfortunately, we don't treat them as such. Instead, emotions are categorized, celebrated, vilified, repressed, manipulated, humiliated, adored, and ignored. Rarely, if ever, are they honored. And rarely, if ever, are they seen as distinct healing forces. So this again is from a book called The Language of Emotions by Carla McLaren, M-C-L-A-R-E-N. So what would it take for us to simply learn to be expressive, deep-feeling people? And so this is the question that underlies our desire to cultivate emotional well-being. And so a listener uh, wrote in uh, that after part two, he says, you were talking about developing a practice to help cultivate emotional well-being. And you mentioned that hourly people could ask if we are able to be in deep feelings when we are grounded and connected to the world. In this instance, uh, is feeling an outward expression of a deep feeling state necessary uh, to truly be in a deep feeling? I feel that I often need more cultivation and processing of my emotions in private to express them responsibly. And so what I liked about this question is it helped me realize where yet another piece of misunderstanding is around emotions. And so um, Derek's question is a really fair question because it made me realize that I have not defined what I mean when I use the word cultivation. So first, let's talk about cultivation because it's a word I use all the time on the show and I never actually realized It's not necessarily a word that is communicating what I mean clearly to those who are hearing me say it. So let's talk about cultivation as an action different from being in process with an emotion or letting a deeper truth unfold with an emotion. So by the word cultivation, I am not talking about what we generally refer to as processing emotions. Okay. So cultivation is doing an activity apart from everyday life activities for the specific purpose of creating something else. For example, think of the hours spent in ballet class 
in the practice and this repeated motions again and again and again. And it is this practice for the possibility of moments of actually dancing live on stage. Another example would be hours of repetition in Qigong class for the purpose of cultivating qi that would be a resource to use through the day. So cultivation is about choosing to do an activity regularly, usually daily, that has nothing to do with the tasks of everyday life. But we do it because we understand that what we cultivate by doing it will enhance the quality of our life in some or all facets of our well-being. So given this definition, you know, it may be important to listen again to part one and to two and, and, and part two and hear it differently, especially part two. So speaking then of cultivation, here is the very most basic personal state we need to cultivate if we are to then cultivate a healthy adult emotional body. And this is what we talked about in the first two shows is that trying to live as an adult in, a, in an emotional body, an emotional energy body shaped as a child doesn't work. Um, it, it creates the, the situation for the adult to have constant unhealthy over-responding, under-responding, and reacting to things in life. And so what we've been talking about is what is necessary to cultivate an adult emotional body, a healthy adult emotional body. And in particular, for those of you who missed parts one and two and are just jumping into this conversation today, understand that a healthy adult emotional body is inspired by many different archetypal energies, one of them being the child and equally the sage. And so it's not that an adult emotional body doesn't experience wonder and trust and adventure, which are qualities that come from a healthy child archetypal energy. Um, it's that the adult emotional body um, allows us to avoid being childish, to be overreactive to events of the day, to be underreactive, meaning shutting down, closing off, going numb, um, dissociating. Um, and it allows us to keep from being immature in our expectations and needs in relationship, our emotional, our expectations around emotions and needs in relationship. Okay, so the basics. So these are the very basic personal state we need to cultivate. We need to choose to cultivate, meaning we need to do actions that allow us to cultivate this that are apart from just every day going through life encountering what we encounter. Okay, so um, number one is we need to cultivate a baseline sense of feeling safe and protected. So that just becomes your normal baseline state of being throughout a wide range of normal everyday life. Number two is that you feel that your life force and your freedom to use it is open in all areas of your life. And that's just your normal baseline sense of yourself. And number three, you feel that your power and you feel your will and you feel the innate sense of responsibility to all life to learn to express the right use of will and that these three things should be the underlying baseline that supports the sort of 
approach the state in which we come to life as in a healthy emotional adult. So in all of that, did I just say responsibility in my conversation here about emotions? Yes, I did. Because if you were allowed to experience the full consequences, physical, emotional, um, of your choices as a child, it's a big if, I realize, but if you were allowed to experience the full consequences of your choices as a child, you would have realized from your own experiences that the right use of will is essential for a healthy emotional life. In other words, if you were allowed to feel the consequences of your first little shoplifting attempt, you would have come to understand emotionally why it's not healthy for us to do that. If you, I mean, in the same way that we learned the laws of the physical world, we learned that face planting at you know 30 miles an hour on our bike on the cement is painful. We also learned that other actions that we take can be emotionally painful or psychologically painful. And ideally, if we're allowed to make these choices and suffer their consequences as children, we learn through our own experience what does and doesn't feel um, a way we want to feel in our life. So if we're allowed to make choices and experience the consequences, we learn that just doing certain things in the physical world brings pain or delight and that doing other things in other aspects of life also creates ethical pain or delight, moral pain, delight, emotional pain or delight. And so I'm reminded of my uh, niece who at a very, very young age, she was in school and so you get all of that crazy friend peer pressure in school and she got sort of included in the in circle of girls and they talked her into doing something really mean to her best friend who former best friend who hadn't been in the in circle and she hurt her best friend terribly and this was the first time she'd done anything like that. I mean, she was like seven or something. And she, this happened at the end of the school year. And she came to visit her grandmother, my mom. And she was horrid. She was horrid. And no one could figure out what, her, what was going on because she was so ashamed and humiliated for what she had done. But she was also angry. She'd also been betrayed by the, the mean girls. She had then in turn betrayed her friend. And in all of that, she'd betrayed herself. I mean, the, the, the number of emotions that she needed to parse through were enormous for a seven-year-old. And these were the consequences of normal seven-year-old choices. And eventually, in my mother's... Um, inevitable way, she broke through that and finally came to understand and got the whole story and helped her parse out the different feelings and what they meant and where they came from and helped her talk about how she would do it differently. And then it came around to how do I make it right? Not just how do I make the pain go away, but an understanding that to truly make the pain go away, I would need Olivia's realizing, I need to make it right. And so grandma helped her. They did a ritual to send the message of um, her apology to all the people involved because she couldn't connect with them from where she was. And at seven, she didn't have a smartphone yet. And um, 
They taught, uh, Grandma helped her to write letters of apology and helped her to determine within herself the choices she wouldn't make again. And so this is all part of helping a child in the, in the natural development of their energy body and their emotional body to understand what they're feeling, to understand the names of what they're feeling, and, and, and in that, to understand how do we reconcile how do we make things right? Not teach our children just how to have only good feelings and suppress the rest. Because that creates a culture of little addicts. So anyway, so back to this basic personal state from which our cultivation of emotional well-being can come. So we have this base. We need to cultivate first a base feeling of feeling safe and protected. That we honestly feel safe and protected in most moments in life, except for the ones that are truly dangerous, right? Uh, we feel our life force fully and our freedom to use it. We feel our power and our growing sense of this right use of will. And so these three things imply a fourth. And the fourth is that you, you come to see that you do have free will and that your choices, for better or for worse, are shaping your life. That your use or misuse of your will and your power is what is shaping your life. Okay, so with this, it's important to understand as you listen to yourself, know that what blame means. If we are blaming others, other people, other organizations, blaming life, blaming politics, blaming whatever for shaping your life, then this is, blame is a red flag of a child emotional body. So if you're blaming, you're behaving like a child emotionally. Now, if you catch yourself doing it, you can work out of that. But understand that that is the hallmark of a child because when we are children, we are dependent, truly dependent, and that other people are actually responsible for us. And that is part, that is like the hallmark of childhood. And conversely, growing out of the need for others to take responsibility for us is the hallmark of adulthood and coming to recognize that we are the choosers and we always have been. Okay, so circling back to this baseline of emotional well-being. This is feeling safe and protected feeling your life force and the freedom to use it, feeling your power and your growing sense of the right use of will, and feeling this need and desire to shape your own destiny, to shape your own life, this, this sense of your free will and not being afraid to use it. Okay, now, for those of you that have been paying attention, these first three aspects correspond to the first three chakras, the root chakra, safety and protection, the belly chakra, life force and freedom, the solar plexus, power and will, respectively. So these chakras, um, the cultivation of emotional well-being then is rooted in the health of your first three chakras and then their corresponding energy body functions. So that actually is a big statement for most people. Because the majority of people that I see as clients, now granted, that's just a small subset of humanity, but the majority of people that I see 
are pretty shut down in their first, second, and third chakras. And, um, and that, that the, the way we are encouraged to be emotionally shuts us down in our lower chakras. The way we've encouraged, been encouraged to be spiritually tends to shut us down in our lower chakras. But also the way most of us live our lives. Most of us sit at work all day. And it tends to shut down the lower chakras. So if healthy chakras one, two, and three are a fundamental baseline requirement to be able to cultivate emotional well-being as an adult, we need to get going with cultivating the health of those chakras in the first place. Because as I cultivate the health of my root chakra, the energy body function that goes with that is grounding and boundaries, protection, safety, right? As I cultivate the health of my second chakra, which is really the garden of the life force, right? And my, that, that freedom, that understanding that it's my garden and I am free to do what I choose to do with the life force that moves in my body. And it is my responsibility then to tend my garden. So in your visualization work in your second chakra, does your garden have a wall? You know, the garden wall is the boundary. Does it have a gate? Where's the gate? Most people, the first time they check in these days, the way we are sexually in their second chakra, there's no gate and there's no gatekeeper. The gate's been off the hinge for years. So you got a gate. You got to build a gate. You got to bring in a gatekeeper. And for most of us in this garden, you know, it's the garden of life force. And so all these different pieces of shamanic work that happen in the garden, you know, this is the garden, right? And generally speaking, even if you're not doing shamanic work, you want an aspect of that garden to be cultivated. And these, these are the aspects of your life that you are shaping with your conscious choice and your intentional movement towards your destiny. And then the other half of the garden is wild, it's wild. It's allowed to grow on its own. And this is the aspects of life that serve the adventurer, the parts that we don't know and we don't control and we need because they are the adventures that the accidents, the, the getting sidetracked in life that actually brings us into the experiences that truly turn us into the person that we're meant to be. And so the garden is both cultivated and tended and beautiful and it also has a wild beauty and in the center of it all is a great fountain that is the symbolic uh, representation of the life force you know rising up from the root chakra and spewing out into the garden and nourishing the garden you know and a lot of people they can't even get their fountain going and you know <laughs> it froze last year three decades ago and broke the pipes and now nothing's moving. I mean, this imagery is to work with this imagery that we find in our chakra is the beginning of cultivating the health of the chakra. And so then we move on to the third chakra where the energy body function there is really learning through accessing our power, using it in the world, understanding the right use of power. We need to then cultivate and from that we cultivate truth a sense of truth and discernment. And in that, that sense of truth is our ability to note the distinction between my personal truth and the greater truths that exist here uh, beyond religion, beyond politics, beyond culture. 
but these eternal truths. And to begin as an adult to choose to align myself with those eternal truths, to begin to serve those things in life that abide. By that I mean those things that will go with you when you die. That this is, this is the purpose of life, not getting distracted by smartphones and you know movies and all these wonderful distractions that we have in life, but remembering to cultivate the things that matter first and entertain yourself with the time left over. But don't entertain yourself first and leave those things that matter untended entirely. So this fourth element then, this element of choice, requires the cultivation of the corresponding energy body function, which I talk about in these shows as the truth cord. And the truth cord is the energy that connects all the chakras, among other things. And so this also needs to be cultivated and used. I mean, it's not enough to just visualize it and then ignore it through the day. So this doesn't mean that you blurt out your personal truth all the time but that you know your personal truth internally and that you don't act until you do. So in other words, if I don't know, I say, I don't know. I'm not sure. Let me be with this and I'll get back to you. That, that's an adult. That's an adult response to not knowing your own truth and being patient and trusting the fact that the other person is going to have to be patient too and it's going to be fine. That you don't need to come up with an answer that runs over yourself and your own truth just because someone else asked something. Okay, so what if these three things, four actually, don't feel like your baseline and for many, many people they don't? Well, without going into it again today... I encourage you to listen to the series of podcasts called The Basics of Living Well. They're in the archives at the whyshamanismnow.com site and iTunes and everywhere else. But anyway, the point is you can search for shows on the Why Shamanism Now site. And The Basics of Living Well cover grounding, boundaries, energy cultivation. And all of these move into... They all, all of this always keeps coming back to knowing how to clear the dysfunctions that you find to be able to cultivate an ever-increasing health and well-being in each of the chakras, in your boundaries, in your grounding cord, in your truth cord. All these different components of your energy body are necessary to support um, the discernment required for a healthy emotional body in an adult. Okay, so let's go back to Derek's question. Uh, so Derek asked, is the outward expression of a state of deep feeling necessarily to truly be in a state of deep feeling? So to answer the question directly, no. Um, however, what I was meaning to say was not about expression. What I was meaning to say in part two when I said that was that the cultivation of emotional well-being, to, to accomplish that, we may need to raise our awareness of where we are emotionally through the day. So to do that, we could check in with ourselves hourly and just ask, am I in a state of deep emotional connection 
or am I shut down? Am I amped up? You know, to, to, to periodically ask yourself, where am I emotionally? Um, and for people that um, are, are tend to have survived in life by learning to shut down emotionally, this is a really important question. Where am I emotionally? Because people that tend to go away emotionally get great praise in our culture for being quiet and just sitting there and doing their job and, you know, dying of a heart attack later. You know, this is, this is um, a, a, a deep problem culturally is that we reward people for being emotionally stunted. And so you don't get a lot of feedback from life around you that your emotions are in a problematic place for you when, you're, when you tend to shut down and numb out. And so asking yourself, where am I emotionally regularly throughout the day is a way to begin to raise your awareness about your emotions. And that's really important if you're a shutting down kind of person. If you're an amping up kind of person, it's a little more obvious where you are emotionally. But the fact that I'm amping up and overreacting doesn't necessarily mean I'm in a place of deep feeling. It means I'm in a place of reaction. And this over, and we were trying to make a distinction between simply being overly sensitive and triggered by everything throughout the day in other words, feeling too much all the time is not a healthy state of emotional well-being. And to distinguish that from a state of deep feeling, being able to be deeply in our emotional state as we move through the day, it's a way of being engaged in what we're doing intimately. And that's actually a really fundamental requirement for a true shamanic life, um, that that journeying has begun begun to become a way that people can avoid all of this and the truth is our relationship with spirit changes exponentially when we're willing to open to intimacy there and to open with intimacy in the spirit world we need to be willing to open intimacy in the rest of our life although learning to do it first in the spirit world is a good safe space to do it you know working on intimacy first with your helping spirits in those relationships, if you're af- afraid of the vulnerability and learning to be intimate with humans, humans are, are a wily problematic bunch. If you'd like a little more controlled um, circumstance to learn to express your emotions intimately, then do it with your helping spirits. Do it there first and discover what it feels like and have that exploration prior to opening yourself up to um, a more engaged emotional and intimate life with humans because um, with that said though humans being what they are for an adult the foibles of others do not necessarily trip them up in other words if if I as an adult choose to be intimately and emotionally involved I make that choice because that's how I'm choosing to be in life not because of how other people are responding to me. In, in, in other words, it's not a need-based choice. I'm not doing it because I need others to connect with me, and so I'm only going to be intimate with those who will connect with me. It's a choice. It's a stance in life. It's about how I choose to engage with life. I mean, we need to remember uh, if we're developing a healthy emotional life, it's, it's a life that's based on our choices. It's not a life based on how other people respond to us. And I mean that in the sense of um, 
doing what I do because of what it will make other people do to me, right? That's basically codependent behavior, right? The other aspect of being a healthy emotional adult, though, is the willingness to look behind you, you know, to look in your wake and to see what chaos lies behind you and to look at what you have said and done and determine whether or not that's acceptable for you or whether you'd like to do it better next time. And that's another part of being a healthy adult is caring about the wake we leave behind us and tending to our own growth and understanding about our emotional expression um, so that we um, don't leave a, a massively destructive wake in our path. Okay, so back to Derek's question. I feel that I often need more cultivation and processing of my emotions in private to express them responsibly, especially anger, frustration, and things of this nature. I do, however, feel that a place I need work is in expressing anger. And Derek's email was only one of many people challenged with anger. Um, So I'm wanting to try to express uh, this for everybody now. Um, He continues, I often suppress it, which is common, and I never express it or perhaps don't fully process it to a point where I'm able to find a responsible way to express it. And so here is someone who is, a, who is adult enough to be concerned about his wake, you know, be, to be concerned about what he's leaving behind him, how he expresses his emotions. And I don't think Derek is alone by any stretch of the imagination um, around confusion with anger. So the question I have for all of you is this. Let's begin here. Is how do you process your emotions? For example... I used to spend hours filling in journals with my emotions and I still didn't really understand my emotions clearly until I cultivated a healthy emotional body. I mean, I would process my emotions for hours, days, journals filled with this, you know, trying to think my way through it or feel my way through it. But what I found is that it was only after I had cultivated a healthy emotional body, I mean a healthy energy body, you know, one, two, three, four, I've been talking about today, that I could even see that I had been, quote unquote, processing my emotions within the very same emotional patterning and systems of belief that had uh, motivated me to feel them in the first place. So in other words, I was simply chasing my tail. That in learning to cultivate a healthy energy body, I gained a perspective that was fundamental because it gave me the ability to actually discern between my reactions to things and my own intention or desire uh, as as an adult, you know, what I wanted to be able to do in the world. And so... Another listener in her question about emotions put it this way. She wanted to learn to discern between the ones that should be felt because they are genuine, meaning the emotions that should be felt because they are genuine, and the ones that are derivative because they are triggered or caused by stories that actually need to be cleared, old stories that need to be cleared. She says the full bucket versus the tape loop. And some might see this as the province of psychotherapy, but I see it standing in the way of our ability to live shamanically. And this was her email. And I agree. And so these, I think, are our steps. 
cultivate a healthy energy body first. One, two, three, four, I've been talking about in this show. Get to that place where you feel safe and protected. You feel your robust life force and your freedom to use it. You feel your power robustly and your um, sense of learning a right use of will to express it. And in all of that, you understand it's all about your choices, that you are manifesting your life, every single bit of it through your choices. So that's number one, cultivating a healthy energy body. So those, those basic sense of things is your baseline. And so to do that, you'll need to learn to clear the energies that hold beliefs, stories, emotions, other than those things. And then cultivate a healthy emotional body by clearing the actual energy that is the root of the problems that you find. And in this, I would suggest that we stop processing our emotions. I think we talk about them too much. We cycle around about them in our head too much. We try to psychoanalyze them too much, frankly. We need to learn to clear them at the root. Okay, sidebar. Emotions have their own logic. They have a logical reason for existence. Every emotional pattern you set in motion at whatever age made sense at the time. It made good sense at the time, given the conditions you perceived at the time as a child, usually. And inherent in that is that the child had a need that was not getting met, that was a valid need as a child. It's no longer a valid need as an adult. What needs to happen now as an adult is you need to go back to the child. You need to meet the child's need and clear that energy, change that story, release the logic that holds that belief. You know, whatever that is, that source needs to be cleared. That's the work of the actual energy clearing class. That's why it is so important because it gets at the root No matter what the symptom is in our everyday adult life, this practice allows us to get to the actual root source of that energetic problem and release it, which frees up our energy to grow healthier and our emotions to grow up and grow healthier. Okay, so back to the list. We had cultivate healthy energy body, cultivate healthy emotional body, uh, choose to act differently in the world. It doesn't do us any good to sit around and do our internal personal transformation intimately and then not do anything in the world. So if you're stuck in a place kind of like Derek, now I'm sure he's not always here, but in his question, he's talking about, in a sense, not being able to process something fully to be able to get to a place where he feels good about the expression in the world. And that's really important. It's a great standard to hold, actually, for your own cultivation of what you would consider a healthy adult energy body, is that you are able to express the full range of emotions in a way that you feel good about. You know, you feel good about the, the, the consequence of that expression in the world. But it isn't this choosing to act differently in the world is very important. And so then so where needed, now we're moving into the sort of shamanic piece here in the steps, where needed, you could embody a power animal to learn about an emotion in its healthy state and explore it in the journey world by merging with your power animal 
and asking that animal to educate you about that emotion. So you're feeling through the animal's uh, felt states in the journey. And then return to the clearing. So, yes, in my world, I firmly believe that our healthy energy body and emotional body all comes back to learning the skill of this actual energy clearing that clears things, skips the symptoms, clears things at the source, and then draws out the entire pattern. And um, my perspective about this is really um, absolute. So it's my opinion I get to have it. (laughs) But I don't see why anyone wouldn't invest 48 hours in learning this single skill that will transform the health and well-being of your emotional body and thus everyone you come into contact with for the rest of your life. Why would we as adults not do that? When, when it's so simple, it's 48 hours. It's all it takes to learn. And, that, and then the practice of this skill can change things for the rest of your life. This, I believe, is, is at the core of our ability to become the people that are no longer driven by the stories in the old world. That we need to change the story as it lives within us. And this is how we do it, is to get at how we carry it in us in a compassionate, creative, um, joyful way. And change these energies based on our own capacity to save ourselves. And that in that, we will become different people. We change our energy body. We change our emotional template. We change our beliefs. We become different people. And these are the people. These people we're right now could become are the people that can write the new stories for the new world. So that these old stories that break Our hearts, these old stories can die with us. This is the greatest gift we can give to those who are coming, is to kill off these old stories in ourselves and live the remaining days of our life in the creation of the new stories. And the only way we can do that is if we actually choose to end the old stories and they live in us in the way we carry it in our body in our emotions so there's a lot out there about this and a lot of it is good in general but it comes back to this place Derek is talking about at least I think Derek is talking about I never get these more challenging emotions process to a place where I feel good about their expression in the world. And this is really important. So one of the many resources that I use around emotions is a book called Feelings Buried Alive Never Die by Carol K. Truman. It's kind of similar to Louise Hay's work in a certain way. But anyway, she's talking about how when feelings are not expressed or resolved in the moment, they remain very much alive in our physical energy field and are stored in the body. And I believe this to be absolutely 100% true, and I am not alone in this. So don't send me emails about being judgmental, that this is, this is a big party at this room 
where people believe this. And those of us that believe this are changing things. And I invite you all to come to this party. (laughs) Okay. So she says, Carol says um, in her book, again, the book is Feelings Buried Alive Never Die. These buried feelings are very real. They are energies in and of themselves. They are alive, living, and constantly affecting you. These buried feelings have a personality, and these feelings um, have been buried alive will, if necessity, have to manifest themselves sooner or later. Those feelings did not leave. Just because we buried them alive doesn't mean they are dead. They remain the source of our unresolved conflicts. In the living and the dead, thank you very much. That was my little sidebar. Okay, Uh, back to Carol. Subconsciously, they are not forgotten, nor will they be forgotten. Those feelings from long ago have been and are still being registered at and in the cellular level of our being. They are the feelings which govern our thought patterns, our beliefs, and our attitudes. Those feelings, though unconscious, hidden, and have been denied, determine our emotional reactions to our experiences in life. This is what I've been talking about for three shows. Okay. They are a definite part of our intracellular and subconscious programming. The experiences we are having in our lives today are the effects caused by those unresolved feelings we denied. So, one of the ways then that we can explore what the healthy expression of an emotion like anger feels like is through a relationship with a helping spirit. So ultimately for me, what I discovered is that anger in particular is necessary for a healthy energy body and a corresponding healthy emotional body because it's about boundaries. Anger is about ending things that need to be ended when they need to be ended, like breaking up with people when it's time, not six months later. You learn to apologize for your own misuse of will. And ultimately, because anger protects us, um, it's important because it protects us from our more painful emotions. So we need to have a good relationship with anger to come into a good relationship with all of our other emotions. So with this said, let's go back to Carla McLaren because she she has this beautiful little piece where she calls anger the honorable sentry. And so if you take these ideas into your journeys with a helping spirit in particular, not just your regular everyday helping spirit, but ask them to take you to a particular animal spirit who through embodying that animal will teach you what you need to know to understand a healthy expression of anger. So with that said, Carla McLaren says that the gifts of anger are honor, conviction, self-awareness, healthy self-esteem, proper boundaries, healthy detachment, and protection of yourself and others. Now, I read this list, and these are things people would probably say about me. But I want you to understand this. I'm not bragging. When I was 26 years old, one of the most profound pieces of teaching that I learned from Phyllis when I was learning the energy clearing was that I had zero boundaries. And that was largely because in my family, we were not allowed to express anger in any way ever. We weren't allowed to raise our voice in the house. 
And so my point is that even the strongest uh, teachings you receive as a child around emotions can be completely transformed because the medicine is in the emotion itself. Okay, so what Carla says, and I'm using Carla's example because this is what I came to understand through coming into relationship with anger from having an absolutely terrible relationship with anger. So anger arises to address challenges to your standpoint. In other words, where you choose to stand in life. Um, It arises when people, in other words, cross the line as far as you're concerned. Um, It has to do with your position, your interpersonal boundaries, or your self-image. Your task is to restore your sense of self and your interpersonal boundaries without violating the boundaries of others. And this is the problem with people that are excessively angry is there's no awareness in that state of the boundaries of others. So your anger will also step in when others are being challenged or devalued and your task is to address the offense and restore boundaries of all parties. That's a very adult act. And, and yet it's instinctual for children if they're allowed to develop healthy energy bodies on their own. And so this is a sacred practice for anger. Uh, which is why she calls anger the honorable sentry. So the internal question when there is anger is what must be protected and what must be restored. So anger's job is to help you to set and maintain effective interpersonal boundaries. And it is the most subtle, at its most subtle level, anger helps you to uphold mutual respect and keep open lines of communications in your relationships. So I think this is a beautiful sort of condensation from Carla about emotions. So most of us aren't clear about how to express anger. And as Derek said, because he wants to be responsible, the point is that we aren't sensing it as an emotion when it first arises. And it and it's telling us something about the boundaries going on right in the moment. Most of us suppress it. And... Um, and, and skipping this moment in the beginning when the anger first rises, when all it would take would be a no for now. And then we can circle back around if it needs to change. So most of us wait, as McLaren talks about in her book, until anger becomes a mood or a state of being. And then at that, that's the point at which people get hurt and people are hurtful. Right. So this actually needs to evolve into a discussion based on an understanding of true yin and true yang and what those expressions look like. Um, but one, we don't have time for that today. And whenever I go into the true yin and true yang discussions, people don't know what I'm talking about because culturally we don't get those energies. But as an adult, the next place after the cultivation of the energy and the healthy emotional body, which which in my world, I believe it requires we learn to truly clear the energies that are causing the reactions in the first place and the unhealthy energy body in the first place. The next place comes to our need as adults as we try to understand what the healthy expression of these energies is like as we can learn them from our helping spirits, but ultimately something has to bring it together as a whole. And for me, that hasn't come out of shamanism, bless its heart. That has really come out of my efforts through my Qigong practice to understand true expressions of yin and true expressions of yang as they come through the human. 
And in that, it's helped me understand because expressing emotions is, is a yang action. So the, the true and uh, compassionate expression, honest expression of emotions in a way that is concerned with what is good for all living things is an expression of true yang energy. And um, in many ways, it's only in coming to understand that. And yet I can't do that expression of the, ener- of the emotion until I found that true yin energy, which is that exploration I've suggested with the helping spirits of what do these emotions feel like in a healthy way. That's, that's a healthy yin action. And then the next piece of it is then, so what do I need to clear that I carry within me that stands in the way of that healthy expression? And these are the things that arise that need to be cleared. Stories, memories, beliefs, just emotional patterns, um, just stuff. Stuff that's come into our way of being because of our experience of life. And so after we learn the healthy expression and clear what stands in our personal way of that healthy expression, then we're able to ask that question of what does this look like as I give this gift of these healthy, true, beautiful emotions to the world. And so this is for me the dance of emotions is this movement this inner work and the outer expression again and the more that it happens the more that i learn and the more that it happens the more that we could learn but we need to engage in it in a way that we are not simply circling around and around and around in the very patterns of emotions and beliefs that began it all in the first place so i give great gratitude to the patience and presence of the helping spirits in our life. I give thanks to the ancestors for gathering around us here today, to the earth below and the sky above and the heart that unites us all. Thank you everyone for listening.